Are you looking for food truck books to read, but you're starting to feel overwhelmed with all the content? Or maybe you're trying to find answers to your questions, but you realize you haven't asked the right questions to get those answers. Well, you're in luck. I wrote the book, Before You Launch a Food Truck, Eight Questions Every Aspiring Food Trucker Should Ask. For the past five years, I have been studying the food truck industry and been a diehard food truck customer. And in the process of that, I've learned a lot about what makes a good food truck stand out among the rest. I took eight of those key concepts and created a book where I could have curbside conversations with each of you about them. What makes this book different is not only that it's digestible and designed to not overwhelm you, but it also propels you into action. You can purchase Before You Launch a Food Truck today at thefoodtruckscholar.com shop in paperback and ebook format, as well as on Amazon. For every copy purchased, I'm donating a copy to organizations committed to helping formerly incarcerated individuals re-enter society, particularly those that are interested in starting their own food business. So, Buy a copy today to help yourself and someone else get rolling and keep trucking. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Food Truck Scholar Podcast, brought to you by BGT Gifts. I'm your host, Dr. Ariel D. Smith, and I appreciate you for choosing to kick it with me for yet another episode. Y'all, I know it's been a minute since the last episode dropped. Your girl's a whole doctor now and everything, so you know we gotta come in hot. Today's guest is Marcus Crawford, co-founder and co-owner of Burritos. Selected by Parade as one of the top black-owned eateries in the country, Burritos is an award-winning brand that started with a food truck and later is first brick-and-mortar restaurant location serving the New Jersey and New York City area. Marcus stopped by the show to share with us some of his cheat codes to success that include financial capital, branding, social media, growth strategies, and so much more that I think you don't want to miss. So for now, sit back and relax. The show starts now. All right, everybody. I am so excited to have Marcus Crawford on the show. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that I've been really excited about, because we've connected, honestly, when I first started the podcast, and you had some great things coming up then, but you got even better things brewing now that I can't wait to talk to you a little bit more about. But for those who do not know, you are one of the co-owners, co-founders of Burritos, and y'all have just gone on to do amazing things. You've taken New Jersey by storm. You're taking the country by storm. You are an award-winning food truck, award-winning entrepreneur, have given so much to the community. So I'm so excited about the gems that you're going to drop here. But for those who don't know and have not been blessed by one of your burritos, can you talk to us a little bit about how burritos came? to be. Gotcha. So one, definitely appreciate you reaching out and connecting with us. Like you said, we've established connection and been trying to make this work for a while. So glad we can do it again. So the origins of burritos come from creating a food truck business. We actually started selling soups back in 2014. And that business was doing good, but it was also like a franchise opportunity. So Mm -hmm. when the 
managing company started having issues, then we started having issues. And then we, we decided, hey, it's time to branch out and do our own thing. And that's how we created burritos. We wanted to either do a chicken concept or burrito burrito concept. And every day we drove by Chipotle in our soup truck, we saw the line out the door. So we're like, okay, there's a demand for burritos here. And when we put ourselves in as a burrito truck, what happens is we can still sell tacos and quesadillas and nachos and things of that nature. So it opened up the range of our menu. We're a bunch of brothers. We're selling burritos. We took those two things and mashed it up and you got burritos. I love to see it. And I got to point out two things that you said is that number one, you looked at what your market had and you were not afraid to pivot from that. So like you started out with suits, but then you started saying, wait, there's a demand for burritos in this area. And then not only that, if I keep my menu lean, which is something I talk about in my book for different food truck owners, it then opens me up to do other things. So like I got all the ingredients for a burrito, but I can also do tacos with those same ingredients. I can also do nachos. So kudos to you for being able to see what the market had, but also thinking from a very lean standpoint that allows you to really expand and open up opportunities on that. One of the things I really wanted to talk to you about is a lot of food trucks come to me and they say, hey, I don't have a lot of funding, but I want to start my food truck. And I don't want to say that you give us the cheat codes, but low key, you kind of did give us the cheat codes in our first conversation about how you actually got the capital for your food truck. So can you talk about that for us? Right. So we'll dial back to that soup business. And what we did is one, it was a trailer, but two, we were able to take over someone else's lease on that unit. And then we had to kind of refabricate the inside to be what we needed. We got a credit card with 0% interest for a year and basically put the entire expense of the refabrication on that credit card. Mm-hmm. What that did was that gave us an entire year of operations to to generate money to then pay for that fabrication. So all in all, it's kind of like when people say use other people's money, we use the bank's money. We put everything on the credit card and that helped us get the ball rolling without putting a lot of money out, out front. Then we took revenues and profits from the soup business and we took that directly into burritos. And one thing I like to tell people is, you know, you have the, the time and capability of being very hands-on with your truck. Look into buying a used truck, look into doing some of the the build out yourself if you're capable and it'll save you a ton of money. I always tell people to kind of be hesitant towards buying a brand new food truck. You're going to go buy a brand new food truck and spend upwards of six figures on the truck. You're putting yourself in a hole that you got to dig out of. And that's not the reason why we operate a food truck business, you know? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I always encourage people to think about is for people who are new, a lot of times their menu may change. And the layout of your truck really does correlate to the menu. So get your menu solidified so that you can say, all right, like, I know I need this type of size fryer. I know that I need the different cabinets and stuff to be positioned here. I know where everything needs to be. So what I've seen some people do is they'll start out with a used truck that ideally if they had a burger concept they'll try to get like a used burger truck that makes a little bit more sense ideally if you can do that this kind of fits what you need but then after time goes on they're like okay i've you know i've used this and i've realized that i need more of this i need less of this and so then they can go get a custom food truck because now they've put some skin in the game and they kind of know what they want more as opposed to just jumping in at the first try 
Right. Uh, that makes the most sense because, you know, depending on how you're operating, depend on your movements in the truck. So kind of like what you said and what we did when we bought our first truck, we we're like, okay, this is how it's going to work. And then we start operating that truck and we notice, all right, well, we're back to back a lot. We're bumping into each other a lot. There's a lot of crisscrossing going on. So when we moved to our second truck, we were able to eliminate a lot of that because we had the experience of, of actually doing it. So for somebody that's actually building a truck, maybe by themselves or someone getting a used truck, take time and just do walkthroughs. Just do walkthroughs of like, hey, this is how the process is going to be. Somebody's going to order here. Then when they place this order, I'm going to pass my ticket left or pass my ticket right, or I'm going to shout it out to the cook on the on the grill, right? Then from there, what happens? How does it go into the containers? How does it get bagged up? How do we get it out the window? All of those things happen inside the truck need a need a space. So if you do walkthroughs and you kind of figure it out, you'll actually you know kind of eliminate some of the some of the headaches in the future by just practicing, and then you can implement it when it's time to run the show. I couldn't have said it any better. Now, one of the things that really gets food trucks is the social media. And it's maybe one or two, maybe three of them. And they're like, well, one of us is taking orders. Maybe two people are back there trying to prep. We just don't have the time to create this content. And by the time we come home, we're tired. <laughs> we had to clean the food truck out. We got to be right. with kids. We got a meal prep. We got to go to the store. Like, we just don't have the time to create that content. How have y'all been able to navigate that and, and build a presence on social media? So just everything that you said is, is very much true. And it, it's a challenge for us as well. But because it's myself and, and two partners, we delegate a little bit of the task. So I know that when the truck is out and, and we're super busy or we're busy trying to set up and then we're busy serving, then we're busy trying to tear down, you know, I'll, I'll send a reminder out. Hey, try to grab a picture or a video try to grab a picture or a video. So then it just reminds them, hey, let me just jump off the truck for two two seconds and, and grab something. And generally what they'll do is when the shift is over, if they get a split second during the shift, they'll send it to me and I'll go ahead and I'll post it. And just trying to be consistent in doing that. I mean, we have times where, again, it is difficult where we have lapses and it's like, all right, we're not posting nothing. It's like, okay, hey, we got to get back on this. <laughs> we have to get back on this. And I can tell you that whenever we are extremely consistent and posting, let's say daily for weeks or months at, at a time, we can, we get the feedback. People, you'll start seeing new customers. They'll start saying, oh, we saw you on Instagram or Facebook. We know followed you or reposted you or something like that. They commented. So you you get a lot of engagement when you're con hyper consistent. So it's super key to, you know, to dial in on it. And I want to take this time right now to try to dispel a myth is that some people become very intimidated on social media. And I, I admit at one point I was this way because thinking that they have to do all of this editing and all of these effects for their videos, but it can be really simple. Right. It can be. I mean, again, it's, it's consistency. You could try to map it out ahead of time, but realistically people want to see what's going on with your business. So if you have 10 menu items, you have 10 posts right there, you know, simply, but actually those, those 10 posts can be rearranged so many different ways to turn those 10 posts into 50 or 100 posts. Excuse me, as an example, we have a, a chicken burrito. So we can do a picture and a video of a chicken burrito. Then we could do a boomerang of a chicken burrito. Then we could do a picture, video, and a boomerang of us handing the chicken burrito to a customer. We could do a, a picture, video, boomerang of us making the chicken, you know, and just down the line. So you have the content. It's just a matter of capturing it. And I think 
laying those examples out like you just did, it makes it so much more tangible because it doesn't always have to be about learning whatever new dance is out on TikTok or it doesn't have to, <laughs> it doesn't have to look like that. Cause I have some people who are like, listen, dancing is not my thing, Ariel. I ain't finna do that. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But do the things that you already do and that will make it much more easier. So thank you for that, for sure. My next question is actually around like resources for growth and expansion. So it's no secret. Y'all have just really taken off by storm the past couple of years. And I just want to take the time to reiterate how proud I am of all the amazing things that y'all are doing. And when I was reading for our interview, you talked a lot about the hub and spoke model for mm-hmm. how y'all have been able to grow and expand burritos. But for those who are not familiar with business terminology, can you explain that to us a little bit? Sure. So one, definitely appreciate all the props. We're grateful for it and doing a lot of work. But the hub and spoke model is, is simple. If you're looking at a bike, a bike has a, a hub, basically the hub in the middle of where it spins and then all of the spokes go out to the tire. So the hub for us is our restaurant and then our spokes are our food trucks and they're able to go to different places. Creating that hub creates consistency for us. It gives us a 12 month business. It gives us a place to create our inventory or prep our inventory, I should say, blow out inventory if necessary, office space and down the line. Because one, we're located in New Jersey, so we're a seasonal business on the trucks. And when a winter comes, there's really not a lot going on. So by having a store, that helps us still operate through the cold months. And two, it just gives us stability because all in all, realistically, food trucks are not the most stable. It's so many moving parts. There's different models and modes that you can be in with your food truck. If you have a truck and you just park it on the same corner every day, okay, that might create some stability for you. But if you have a truck such as mine, where you're like, hey, I'm, I want to go get it, and you're in different locations five, six days out of the week, you have to always be on the move. Something's always going on. So it, it, it removes that stability of operations. Although you may be making the money you want, you're kind of just always on the go. So having that hub and spoke has helped us tremendously. Again, it gives us a place to prep food, blow out food, test different stuff. People want to have us for catering. They could come to the store and do a testing with us and we can kind of lay out the show for them. They get to see the brand a little bit more. So for us, it works out and it's something that we want to expand on. And from my end as a podcaster and to an extent an influencer, some of the benefits of having both the food truck and the brick and mortar is just so that more influencers can write about you. So I had an opportunity that came my way through Edoka at the time when we was with Apple Maps and was creating like a list of some of my favorite food trucks in Birmingham. And some of the food trucks I wanted to include, I could not because they had to have a stable location. And because of that, there were some food trucks I really wanted to feature and really wanted to give them that type of exposure because anybody can pull that up on Apple Maps when they ask where to eat in Birmingham. But it was only the food trucks that either have the same location day in, day out, week after week. Or it was food trucks that happened to have a brick and mortar as well. So on my side of things where you have bloggers and content creators who want to build these lists for people to come to your business, a lot of times, even though we may want to highlight all of the food trucks, we can't because sometimes the guidelines are, well, we need a consistent place. Right. For us to like, you know, geolocation to track them and say, hey, this is where the customer can find them at these set hours and set days and set times. 
Right. And that's part of how we think of it too, because customers call us all the time. Hey, where's the truck? And if you're in, you know, let's say Bergen County, and I'll tell you my truck's in Middlesex County, you're not going to make it or you're going to not be happy. So uh, it's always like, hey, our trucks move around a lot, but we have the store right here at this location. So you can find that store six days of the week. And it's just super helpful. And so somebody's going to be listening to this and say, okay, that's cool. I need a brick and mortar. I want a brick and mortar. I don't know the steps to get one. And I know that there are going to be something that's going to vary by state and county when it comes to, you know, fire and all that type of stuff. But just as much as you're able to, what was that process like for y'all from going from just having a food truck to now we're going to get a brick and mortar? We did a lot of research, doing our own due diligence and, and trying to map it out to, to is it, does it work? It's a completely different business than your food truck, because there's more overhead. Simply, there's more overhead. So one thing I would always suggest is just trying to understand what that overhead is, what your bottom line overhead is, because with your store, you're going to have to cover that, or you're going to be pulling your profits from your truck to cover your store. So let's just say, example, when we operate our trucks and we have staff, we pay for the time we work and we literally work like three hour shifts per. So if you do a lunch shift and a dinner shift, that's probably like six hours as an example. But if you have a store, your store is going to be open from, let's say 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's a whole lot longer of a day, which means you're going to have to spend more. You know, how many, how many people, how many staff do you need for that day? You got to do the math on that. You're, you're going to probably have two hot pockets being lunch and dinner again. So you're going to have a lot of downtime. You're going to have a, a gas and electric bill. You got to do marketing to bring people into the store. So it's just, it's, it's a lot different. Whereas with our truck, we just kind of go get it. People call us, we take the truck, we drop to you. We know exactly where we're going to get the store. You got to draw, draw people into you. So it's a different ball game. And everybody that wants to take that step should definitely, definitely research, research more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought out the, the point with times because there's going to be moments in which it's going to be a downtime with the food. And, and people can see that with a food truck too. Like there's sometimes where the, the lunch crowd came in and you got to get them in and out and it's you're slammed. And then there's some moments where, you know, you're kind of chilling with a brick and mortar, you know, that it ain't going nowhere. So like with the food truck, you can park it and say we done for the day, but your brick and mortar is still going to be there. You're still going to have the water bill. You're still going to have all the power bill. You're still going to have to pay that rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It, it ain't going anywhere. So don't bite off more than you can chew in there. Like get a space that's realistic for you and that, you know, understanding contractors. I think that's another thing that I would love to have on the show is like bringing on a contractor to talk about what are some of the things that you need to look for, things to be prepared for, because that's a whole thing in and of itself. So I think, you know, just to add another tip when you're going from a truck and you're going to a store or you just want to go into a store in general, you know, do your best to try to find a second generation restaurant. Mm. You know, they're hard to find now after the pandemic because Everybody kind of jumped on them. What does that mean, but, second generation? So a second generation restaurant is basically a restaurant that's been a restaurant before you got there. Mm-hmm. So instead of you going in and building from scratch, which would be first generation, you're creating this space, you're creating this restaurant, that's first generation. You find a restaurant where maybe somebody fell in some hard times. Maybe they're just ready to retire, an available space that has a kitchen already set up in it. And then you go in there and you try to tweak it to your standard and operate out of there. What that'll do is save you a ton of money up front. Just for an example, if, when you go to put an exhaust into a store, the standard price is $1,000 per, per foot on your exhaust. Most hoods are just imagine between eight eight to 10 feet. 
So that cost alone, right there, just to put a just to vent the space and put a hood in, is going to cost you one thousand per square foot. We're not talking gas lines. We're not talking equipment. We're not talking your design in the space or any of that. That still has to go into it. And that's why I really think trying to find a second generation restaurant is key. And, and that's how we got into our first one. And that's what we're looking for, you know, as we move forward. So talking about moving forward, can you talk, <laughs> <laughs> can you talk to us about what's on the horizon? So we are 1000% looking to expand to Atlanta. It's been it's been on the table for us for the past couple of years. Obviously we got slowed down a little bit by by COVID, but we just feel like that's going to show us some true growth. It's going to give us a place that's a major market, a place that, you know, celebrates black ownership, a place that we feel like we can be impactful with the community as well. So I'm currently in Atlanta now and searching for a location. There's one downtown that I've been eyeing very close to Georgia State University that we feel like it'd be ideal. And again, like research, kind of like we were talking about, right? I go downtown, I stand on the corner and try to see the traffic flow of people walking around. I'm looking at the other restaurants in the area to see if they're busy, making sure there there isn't somebody with a similar concept too close and just getting a real feel for places before we make the decision. So that's something that I'm currently doing. And I suggest to anybody that's food truck or store. But yeah, man, Atlanta, Atlanta is is feeling very homey. <laughs> I'm happy to be down here. And I really hope that uh, we find something very soon and we can open up by the end of the first quarter next year. I love to see it. I love to see it. And you come on to Indy as well. You know, whether I'm still <laughs> here in Indy after the fact or not, we need to see more and more businesses. So I'm just going right. to keep putting some places in your ear be like I'm over here <laughs> no but man congratulations so I'm really looking forward to that when the grand opening happens you got to come back we got to talk about it or do an Instagram live or maybe I can come down and check it out even better so just keep me posted all right you will for sure now, my last thing that I got to talk about is actually going back to marketing because we talked about social media. But the one of the things I really loved about burritos is that your marketing isn't just social media. You also have like products so that even if the shop is closed, even if the food truck is closed, there's still other ways that they can engage with your products and with your brand. And that is with this taco kit. So can we talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that? Because I got to get my taco kit, too. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to send one out to you. So yeah, we wanted, you know, we started off with merch being shirts, t-shirts, long sleeves, or crew necks. Kind of like the one I have on. Well, they're not gonna be able to see it, but you know, simple design. <laughs> simple design, just just for branding purposes, being again by clothing, we had a hat. And then we spoke to someone and they mentioned having edible merch. Or, you know, what can people take home? What can they take home to still taste your brand? What can people in California taste versus just wear, right? So that's when we came up with the taco kit in which we do the taco shells. We do our signature seasoning, our signature taco sauce. We add a recipe card in there for people. So if you want to do chicken, beef, shrimp, a veggie or vegan option, we just give you things that we have in mind. Obviously, you go ahead and flex it and do what you want. We tell our story. We, we created this nice, you know, colorful branded box. And, you know, now it gives us a place where we can ship this and we have shipped this throughout the nation. So now people can try our 
you know, try burritos from their homes away from New Jersey. And it's, it's really, it's a really cool product that we've been selling pretty consistently since its inception. <laughs> and the one thing that, again, I got to give you your props on is that your branding has always been consistent. Y'all going to see that green, that black, and that white, no matter where you're at, at all times, <laughs> <laughs> everything you do, you're going to see it. And when you see the box, the box is designed exactly like that. Like it's not some type of like cardboard box or some type of black box. And then you open it and like, oh, they go like the burrito stuff. Like, nah, it's the entire box is designed to reflect your brand. And you have the story on the box. It's colorful. It's engaging. It's one of those type of boxes that when you pick it up, people want to say like, what is that? <laughs> like throughout. And it's one of those things that goes, like I said earlier, beyond your food truck. It goes beyond the brick and mortar. That is something that people can order while you sleep. They could be on your website, say, add by four D's to my cart, and it's coming to their house. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So yeah, people could, like you said, they can order them. They can try the brand. We tell our story. We, we try to make the, the box very fun so that people want to share it, you know, you gift it. And then, you know, we want, we want people to feel good. Like, man, this box is so cool. Let me, let me keep it for who knows what reasons, you know, maybe I want to store something in there, but let me keep it. And for those people that are actually keeping the box, what does that do? That keeps our brand in front of their eyes. It's a million different things that go into it, but check out our, our burrito taco kits on the website. <laughs> Absolutely. So y'all can just go ahead, burritos.com. Make sure that you are buying these taco kits. Also when they win, I'm speaking when they come down to Atlanta, make sure you show them some love. And if you're ever in New Jersey, make sure you come through and support them and tell them that the food truck scholar said that you got to pull up. So <laughs> my final, final question is, I know that you're expanding. You're doing a lot of great things. What is the ultimate vision you have for burritos? The ultimate vision is to be a nationwide brand, to, to build a business model similar to the Chick-fil-A's in the sense where we can own the buildings that we're operating from, meaning we own the real estate, which means we can make money on the appreciation of the real estate. We're, rent we're basically renting to ourselves until we decide to bring somebody else in and then they'll rent to us. Creating a little bit more dynamic menu. I think our menu is very good. I think we can add, add some nice touches to it, but we want to have burritos be one of those names where people are, hey, I'm hungry. You want to go to burritos? You know, just like they think of any of the big boys that are out there right now. We want them to think about us that way. So we're looking to expand on the East Coast first and then start moving out to the West. So we have Jersey covered. We're looking at Atlanta, D.C. and Miami are targeted. And then we'll start going out West, you know, looking at Texas and potentially California. But we want to be able to have our business help those that, whether they work for us, they could grow up into more managerial and even partnership roles. That's something that we're trying to create that ecosystem so that when you're within this brand, it's bigger than just like a job. Well, Marcus, I feel like y'all are well on y'all way. <laughs> <laughs> and as long as I collect me a taco or burrito at each one of these locations, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, you got to make sure you come see us and then we could always run this back and they could, you know, see the story as it, as it unfolds. Absolutely. I feel like it's going to be one of those things that we keep doing. A, so where are they now at each different <laughs> limb? Like, so just to remind you, this is where we were like two years ago when right. we talked. Like, <laughs> they were like, roll the clip back. I, I think I would love that. We have the success. I feel like we can have in Atlanta. Then there's no stopping us. Oh. Like, there's, just, there's no stopping us at all.
Without a doubt, man. Without a doubt. <laughs> Can't wait to see it. If the last, what, four-ish years that I've been following you is any indicator of what's coming in store, like, I don't even doubt that. I don't Appreciate even doubt that. Man, just thank you so much for coming to the Food Truck Style Podcast. I absolutely enjoyed it. And I know it ain't the last time. It's not. Thank you again. Look forward to speaking again. Send us your address so we can send you a taco kit. And then you know, I'll keep you in the loop so we can get you to this grand opening. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Food Truck Scholar Podcast, brought to you by BGT Gifts. If you're looking for additional content to devour, visit thefoodtruckscholar.com and check out our book, upcoming courses, as well as events. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. But for now, I'm Ariel D. Smith signing off and reminding you to buy local, eat local, and support your neighborhood food truck. I'll see you soon.